Welcome back. Welcome in to the Lions Share Podcast. Saturday night is all right for fighting. If you're the Lions, the Lions win it 42-17 to over the Denver Broncos. They improved to 10-4, and and they are one Seahawks loss or tie to the Eagles on Monday night from a birth. We'll talk about all that, the explosive plays from offense, the Aaron Glenn change of pace with the blitz packages, just a different team when the offensive line is healthy. There was a lot to unpack from the game. J-Mo getting involved more than he has. Sam Laporta with a huge day. Gibbs, conversely, with also a huge day. The rookies uh, showing up and showing out. The Lions in the Blueberry Blues looking really, really good against a, a decent uh, a decent team and a huge bounce back after last week's ugly, ugly showing against the Bears. That means still no back-to-back losses for this Lions team this season. They are 4-0 in prime time as it stands this season. The, the, the Cats are strong in the, in the prime time lights. That's for sure. Um, Andrew, I mean, what can you make from that day? 42-17. to 17, Really hope they were going to hold them to 10. I know you, you did too. But um, all in all, really solid bounce back game, don't you think? Huge bounce back game. And I'll say to you what I've said to every other shareholder out there. The biggest difference in the entire night was that the entire team just seemed to actually want it. And they had some urgency in their steps. And they moved with a purpose. And that was that was really it. It seemed like an attitude thing that we got to last night. And I don't know, but uh, wherever it came from, I like it. Huge. Huge for the confidence of everybody, including, most importantly, Jared Goff. Five touchdowns from JG, the game manager, as they're calling him. I mean, we, were, we have been hard on Goff, but that is the kind of game we needed. And I, I, I got to be honest, the start wasn't the greatest. You know, scoreless first quarter for the Lions, and Goff kind of looked a little gun-shy. I'm not going to lie. He, he, you know, Mitch showed us that one play where he just straight up missed St. Brown over the middle for the first down and probably some more. Um, so I was a little bit concerned with the first quarter, but man, to put up 42 points through three quarters, that's really, really solid. Huge for their confidence. Five touchdown passes, as we said, for, uh, for Goff. And that was against the defense that had only allowed four touchdowns over the last six games, Andrew. Did you hear that stat? That was, that was pretty incredible. Four touchdowns passing in the last six games the Broncos have given up. They gave up five alone in one game to the Lions. Uh, that is an astonishing stat. Thank you for sharing. And we go back to our keys of the game going into it. And it was uh, ready, ready to do this. We can hit Mitch's keys for him here with an old pound the rock okay thanks for coming with me ben i appreciate it i thought we were going on this current doc that's on that's on me that's fair enough um but you know that's what we we all said that needed to hit the ground running needed to hit it often as well let monty and gibbs do their thing and what they do in that opening first quarter throw the ball throw the ball throw the ball throw the ball i mean that's all they were doing so they came with I don't know if they were zigging to what the, the Denver Broncos defensive plan thought it was going to be. And they they knew that the, that back end was going to suck up a little more. And it looked like, I mean, you saw it. They wanted to hit J-Mo. He was that big boy. So I, I'm glad that Monty and Gibbs eventually got going there. But, you know, much to our chagrin, pass heavy. 
Yeah, totally going against everything that we said. And every, I, I mean, that was what everybody was, all the pundits were saying, right? The, the Broncos' poorest defense on run thought it was going to be a run-heavy game. First five plays of the game, first five of that drive, uh, no runs. I thought, I, I loved that, though. I kind of loved that zigging while you're zagging going against it. I, I kind of love that from Ben Johnson and the Lions. Honestly, I would have liked to have seen at least one run mixed in there on a five-play drive where you go all passes. I think <laughs> maybe leaning into it a little bit too much with the zag there. Um, but all in all, I was I was happy to see them take those shots and build up Goff's, Goff's confidence, get those connections made with JMO, and got to give you all the credit in the world, Andrew. Your call on Wednesday for the middle of the field to be open and for Sam Laporta to have a big day. Well, big day he did have with three touchdowns. He got the hat trick, um, inching closer to setting the all-time record for tight ends um, in terms of touchdown receptions receptions and reception yards he's he's nearing that he's i think 250 yards or so away from the the reception yard record and then uh i can't remember how many receptions he needs but i think you had the stat on how many touchdowns he was away um i not i don't have that stat but i know i thought they said something like he was gonna uh he did break the rookie tight end touchdown reception record he's gotta be there yeah i mean i mean obviously the, he's got the luxury of having an additional game that a lot of these guys didn't have, but um, I know he did pass Hawkinson's best season ever, right? So he's already eclipsed he's already, the old boy in Detroit. Yeah, he's fully established himself. That's no doubt. And, you know, he really just benefits, and I don't want to call him like a system guy because he's also very talented. He benefits but he's he also brings the talent to it. So a lot of it is him. So don't don't let me say that cuz if him and Brock Wright were in the same shoes, I think we know where we would be. Right? But, you know, I don't know if that's also what went into that pass heavy opening to the game where they tried to force feed Jamo, tried to get things going early, like we said, to open up the middle for that passing into the middle of the field game. Yeah, and they also established St. Brown. I think you just alluded to it, but this was another key. They hit pretty much every one of your keys, which was get going early, get confidence, Goff's confidence up, establish St. Brown, get JMO involved, and Sam Laporta over the middle big day. So <laughs> there you go. Pretty much hit everything that you wanted to see from them. Um, and I was happy to see St. Brown. I was a little bit worried having him matched up with Sertan a lot of the game. I thought that might be a challenge for him. I have all the confidence in the world in the Sun God, but he's – I mean, let's be real. He's had a couple games in a row where he's struggled. He's just been uncharacteristic. So for this to be the bounce back against a, a pretty solid secondary, that is the Broncos led by PS2, um, you know, the the coveted guy that we were hoping that maybe the Lions would get their hands on, unfortunately did not. Um, I was a little bit, not going to lie, I was a little bit concerned about that. And I thought that would lead to a lower scoring game. And then through the first quarter, it felt like that's what it was going to be. And then the, the doors got blown off. But I was happy to see them establish that with St. Brown and and get him back on because he he needed it. And conversely, Jamison Williams, just good things happen when Jamison yeah. gets involved. I mean, I think I saw the stat coming into this game. Every time Jamo scored, the Lions win. Uh, he didn't get in the end zone this game, but, uh, you know, or, or did he? No, no, he didn't. I just had a flashback there for a moment. He he got pretty close on that one where he broke a tackle. Um, and then I was thinking Sam Laporta, three touchdowns. Uh, Gibbs had one, and then what was the fifth one? Amon Ra with the flip. With the flip, how could I forget? This is hard. 
Not gonna lie, Andrew, this is a little bit more difficult than doing same day recording. You know, obviously we're day we're almost twenty four hour removed or yeah, twenty four hours removed from this. This is a little bit more difficult, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But I'm so glad you brought up that St. Brown flip. Can we talk about it here for a second? Please, I'm sure. Do. I'm sure the shareholders want to know. Do you have a score for this? And I'm sure all the shareholders have their own score for it. But most importantly, we need to know: Has there been word on his tailbone? Are we okay? Yeah, that's got to be a hard impact on turf. I mean, he got homeboy got up on that. I mean, I, he didn't, say, I said I said in the group chat he didn't stick the landing, so points deducted for me. Yeah, I gave him a four point five out okay. there for all the shareholders that are listening. Uh, mainly because uh, no sticking the landing, and for how frightened I'm sure every player was and every fan was there for a second. Um, so hopefully, you know, no news is good news on that tailbone, and he doesn't show up on the injury report. Yeah, because that seems to be what happens for the Lions. You 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 get out of a game seemingly without injuries, although JMO got a little banged up there, and so did um, uh, uh, Der- uh, Derek Barnes on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but both returned to the game, so that was great to see. But yeah, that is kind of the weird kind of circumstance that that usually usually comes up in. Um, thought we were done with the whole flipping and jumping into the end zone after JMO's thing, and Antoine Randall, I thought he was going to, you know, put the kibosh on all of those, but I guess not. Maybe, maybe this one gets a slide because he's he's making a move over a defender, you know. So not just on um on his own accord, just jumping in. You know, he's trying to make a move for the score. So I guess you got to give him credit there. But yeah, he's got a. I mean, I guess he landed pretty softly, and you know, dude hits the gym a lot. So you know, he kind of just bounces around like rubber. I don't know. Yeah, in all fairness, uh, on JMO's, nobody was within 10 <laughs> yards of him. The guy flew from beyond the five yard line. Yeah. Yeah. That was like, that was uh, almost like MJ from the free throw line esque. <clears throat> How about these rookies, though? Um, speaking of Jameson, or not James, Jameson, obviously not a rookie, but pretty much a rookie, but Gibbs and Laporta. I saw this stat on the broadcast 15 touchdowns by the rookies this year from the Lions. That's the most ever. And we've got three games left remaining. Uh, just absolutely crushing it. Much has been made about the draft class, but pretty quiet on the uh, on that front about the criticism that Brad Holmes did get for taking Gibbs early and Laporta early. Um, I think, you know, we had our own thoughts about it, and I think there probably were more uh, opportunities to get players, you know, that maybe fit better um, in terms of what was needed. But what can you say now? What what can the haters say now after the performance that they've had from Gibbs? And Gibbs is also leading the league in yards per carry. Um, You know, much has been made about how good David Montgomery has been, and he has. But Gibbs just brings such a different style of attack. I, it's so much more explosive. Monty's doing the Lord's work as well. It, it doesn't work as well without it being a two, two tag team tandem punch. But yeah, that stat pretty uh, astonishing to me. Jameer Gibbs leads the league in yards per carry at five point seven yards per carry. I did not know that five seven a carry. Uh, we'll see wh- how the rest of the NFL shakes out after today. Uh, after this week, you know, we get tallies and everything may move. Uh, but as far to the haters, you know, <clears throat> the the issue wasn't so much taking Gibbs. I think everybody knew he was a good 
good athlete. Um, and I mean, we were a hater as well, but the hate more came from taking a running back in that first round when there's other players on the board. I mean, we always talk about the running back position just isn't as valuable as it once was. Jonathan Taylor's seen that. Josh Jacobs has seen that. Ramondre Stevens is saying that. Like, every running back has seen that. It's just not what the game used to be, and they're not making the money they were. And you can kind of get those guys every two years. They're plug-and-play. Now, to that I say, Jameer Gibbs has been lightning in a bottle for this team, so I'll take it. Um, but I think to be fair, most of the criticism came on the positional draft rather than the player himself. That's right. Yes. Uh, and to quote Mitch here, Gibbs and Laporta are freaks question mark. That's what he's included in this document, obviously still on his paternity leave right now, but he does share his thoughts with us. And and that was one of them right there was, um, got one that they got one that they really needed. The lines did and Gibbs and Laporta are freaks. And I mean, one thing that we, we need to go back to and give the man some credit, it's Brad Holmes and just an absolute genius of a drafter. I don't know what goes into their draft strategy, what all it entails, what they're doing differently than other teams. <clears throat> That's what I want to know. What are they doing differently than other teams? Where are they seeing these value? Are they Are they more looking at these guys as... Uh, well, I don't care who's going to transition to the NFL well. I just care that they're going to fit into this system, and therefore they will transition to the NFL. I don't know exactly what they look for, but he's putting together some Hall of Fame draft classes, and we've said it. We we really have, and he has. Um, we, we've given him many flowers over the years for the performance that he's had, and then then this draft was we were like, all right, this is going to be the one where he kind of proves it because this is the one that was most outlandish, most outside the box. We thought for sure the other ones weren't safe by any means, but this one was he's really sticking his neck out there, and it's it's looking more and more like this is another uh, knock out of the park for for Mr. Brad Holmes. But I think if you if we look kind of peel back the curtain of the Inside the Den episodes where they go and watch uh, do the do the draft episode, one of the best episodes always in that series that is Inside the Den. Um, I think they put a ton of stock in those interviews that they do with them. I think that's where they really, that one-on-one where they can watch film with them and those questions, you hear those questions that they ask the, those guys, you know, we got to see Laporta and, and Jack Campbell and, and everybody, Gibbs, everybody, you, you see that one-on-one and they watch film together. Um, I think that's where they really figure it out. And obviously they identify these guys based on their play on the fields and personality off the field. But I think that's where it really comes down to where they make that final determination on all right, are we going to take this guy? How how high do we grade him? If he's there at this pick, are we going to take him? Uh, do we feel like it's a reach if we take him here? That type of thing. I think it's that one-on-one where they can really sit down, get to know that person, and and you know, similar to a job interview with, that we've all been through as as common men. Um, I think that's what it comes down to for them is that job interview style. Talk, sit down. That's got to be it. Yeah, it's just I want to know, you know, what questions are they asking differently? What what questions are they taking more stock in? What are they looking for in these guys? Because it is just baffling the types of guys that they're getting. And don't get me wrong, first round talent is first round talent. It is what it is. It's it's head and shoulders above every other round talent wise typically. 
and they've had two of them the last two years. So that helps out tremendously. Don't don't get me wrong in those regards. But my God, the guys finding six round talents that are starting in their in their rookie year and making impacts, and he's doing it in every round that there is. So I, I'm glad he's on our team. Glad and I'm I'm hopeful to see what he's going to bring in the 2024 draft in Detroit in front of that home crowd. What they cook up, I I think it could be absolutely nasty. Yeah. Last thing about that is I think. Uh, we don't want to dig too deep. I think we want to keep those secrets safe and sound here in Detroit because no one else needs to know. All right, let's move to the um, continuation of the breakdown of the Broncos game and let's move over quickly to the defensive side of the ball. Um, got that one turnover early with the Bugs, Bugs strip sack, uh, or not Bugs strip sack, it was uh, Malafanu stripping the sack of of Russell Wilson, but then Bugs picks it up. I was really hoping that Bugs was going to pitch that to Aiden or anybody quicker than him. I, I wanted the big man to get a touchdown, and I talk about it in my halftime capsule. Really, really, um, it's always a great day when you get a big man touchdown, um, but there was no way Bugs was going to outrun anybody there, uh, not the not the distance that he had to. So it was unfortunate because it didn't end up with any points off of that turnover, uh, but but. That's really where things started for that defense with Melifonwu. Uh, it seems like that move from Tracy Walker to Melifonwu is really, really paying off. He had a, had a huge game, a um, couple QB hits and uh, pass deflections, and most importantly caused the, the one sole turnover of the game. And on the other side of the ball, Lions did not turn the ball over on offense. So that was huge. Clean day from, from the yep. offense. But Winning the turnover battle helps, right? Yeah, and winning it early and often. But yeah, I, I'm I'm really loving what I'm seeing out of Melifonwu. Uh I mean, I I don't I, think that Tracy Walker was was that much of a drag. Like he's a huge hitter on the on the defense. I think that's his strong suit is the hits that he brings. But Melifonwu just seems like he's much more versatile and better overall. He sees the field more and he acts more as a field general. And I can tell you the play of the game for me, and it wasn't the one that the refs kind of hosed the Broncos on. I'm sure we'll get into that. I booed at my TV when I saw <laughs> that. It was it was pretty bad, but we'll we'll get into that one later. But the play of the game to me was that knockdown by a Fetty. Um, I don't know who caught it, but it was within the five yard line, deep deep ball downfield. I believe it was in the first half, and he came over the top of this guy and absolutely peanut punched it out for an incomplete pass. And if they don't make that stop on that drive and they put up more points there, I, you know, it's a different game. It's it's the momentum shifts that we talked about. They played complimentary football. It's the it's the first time they've done it in five, six weeks. The defense set up the offense. They all moved with a purpose. But that was the play of the game for me was a Fetty's big knockdown. And I don't think Tracy Walker is capable of making a play like that. No, nope. I think you're 100 percent right there on that. Um, it's, it was, it was, un, it was unfortunate because Tracy Walker, you know, coming up the Achilles last year, like you were rooting for the guy. He's been in Detroit here for a while. He's, he's a Detroit guy through and through. Um, but you know, it's a business. Sometimes this has to happen. And obviously CJ, hopefully coming back in the week, the next week or so, um, we'll shift some things around again in that safety room with the, with the, with Kirby Joseph in there as well, playing pretty well too. Um, so be a mixed bag and then, you, you know, throw in Brian branch, the nickel, um, there's a lot of guys in that secondary, including 
I'm sure you saw some action from him was Vildor, the, the new signing. I think he's the ex-Chicago Bear, if I'm not mistaken. Um, came in on a blitz fast, super fast off the edge, I might add, like lightning out of a bottle. Uh, could tell that he really wanted it and looked like he was getting time over Jerry Jacobs, who didn't really see the field in this one. Um, which was funny because uh, the defense and Aaron Glenn alike had been defending Jerry Jacobs all week in the press. People were, you know, rightfully asking questions about Jerry Jacobs and his play this season, which has been very up and down and a lot of it being down lately. Um, so it looked like they, they um, may have listened to the uh, media here and, and inserted Vildor. And I, I really liked what I saw of the guy. Um, certainly think there's probably a better option uh, in free agency this off season or maybe in the draft, but Vildor seems like he might be a patchwork guy that might just, you know, help them help him out down the stretch here. Uh, agreed, and it's funny you bring up Jerry Jacobs. Uh, did you say he didn't play a single snap? So when I texted you guys in the third or fourth quarter and said, you know, has Jerry Jacobs seen the field? I looked it up. He had not yet recorded any stats, so I assume that he wasn't on the field. I don't remember seeing him out there. Okay, I got another text on the side from another shareholder that also asked, has Jerry Jacobs played at all today? And I couldn't answer that because I didn't remember seeing uh, seeing him out there. Um, and I look, you feel for the guy. He wants to be on the team. When he got there, he was injured, got sent to the practice squad. We really wanted to make this team has worked his way back, had a great hot start to the season like the rest of the team did. But like him and the rest of the team, they all stopped moving and playing with a purpose. Um, so unless he can find that again, like which seems to be 90 percent of that defense from last night, unless he can find that. There's too much competition on this team right now, which is what we love to see. You know, iron sharpens iron. We said it in training camp. But unless he can find that and find that competitive edge about himself, he's going to have a hard time finding the field. Uh, agreed. Uh, but yeah, 100%. Like the defense just looked hungry out there. And, and like they haven't looked in weeks, albeit all season. It was just so good to see Aaron Glenn with the blitzes. Mitch says this, AG woke up and YouTube some blitz packages last week, which is funny, um, but true. Um, it was just a different defense out there, and you can see what this team can be when they do get pressure on that quarterback. Russell Wilson was was never comfortable you know, until late, late in the game when they kind of let their foot off the pedal. The defense did, um, but it, not to say that you know, Russell Wilson and the Broncos are like the most prolific offense, but they've got some playmakers with Sutton and, and, and some others. But, you know, we much has been made about the Lions struggling against mobile quarterbacks. And Russell Wilson definitely falls in that co category. He's not the level of Justin Fields, but uh, Russell Wilson certainly mobile. And, and I was happy to see them contain Russell Wilson and just just look completely different it was a breath of fresh air it was much needed um still some still some things to improve but they look a lot better and i was happy to see paschal getting involved and getting a sack in this one too great great throw out for that def defense paschal uh you know he hasn't seen a ton of field due to injuries throughout the season so good to see him get some confidence going but like you said there right we didn't wait till the end of the game to turn up the blitz the blitz came early and it came often and russell never got comfortable which led him to just making mistakes simple mistakes when he gets knocked off course just like jared goff's 
turns the ball over when he's under pressure. He's got a 0.6 QBR when under pressure, which is pathetic. So maybe the Lions took a take a look at themselves and found a way to get teams um, restless. But what I will say about the mobile quarterback thing, there was several times where Russ should have gone down in the pocket and he somehow escaped and he was just outstretched from a uh, diving Lion defender who just couldn't bring him down by his shoestrings. But I think what has brought Russ and getting a little older in the game there was several times where he had the room to run, scramble, and get out of bounds and pick up some yards, but he would always hesitate and look for that that leaking running back or tight end that's just sitting in the middle of the field, and he dumped it off several times. I think he could have really hurt the Lions' defense with his legs some more if he just trusted himself. Agreed. And to your point about him leaking out and getting away from some of those tackles, I think that's that just happens sometimes, though. I, I, not to cut him too much slack, but you know, I saw it with the Bears playing the Browns today. Browns really, really good defense, right? And even they were struggling with with with, with fields today. And and that's with the likes of Miles Garrett out there. So I mean, sometimes those that just happens, right? There's so much protection that the, the quarterback receives. It's like these guys have such a small window to get them wrapped up and not get a penalty. So it's a it's a really tough battle that the defense has to go through, especially with somebody that's uh mobile. Uh, like like Russ or or Justin Fields, but Justin Fields just on another level, and the Browns had their troubles with him today, and we'll get to that game in Week 15. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, it just I think everybody at home was was saying thank you, Aaron Glenn, for for finally listening because it didn't take an expert to know what they needed to do, and and I know that you can't just it's not as simple as just oh blitz more or bl- blitz you know, in general, because uh, that does open up the the secondary for, for getting shots over the top. So I know, I know uh, Aaron Glenn's going to hang his hat on this game. I just hope it continues, right? We need to come back with the same fire against Nick Mullins. Yeah. Nick Mullins and the Vikings. You got to, you got to replicate that success that you had against the Broncos and uh, no excuses next week against Nick Mullins led uh, Vikings team, unless they switch it to Dobbs, which may happen. But if it's Nick Mullins, I, no excuses next week, right? I've got a, I've got a little prediction. I'm going to call it a week in advance. Don't know how much of that Vikings game you saw. I'm sure at some point you saw him pitch it to Addison, I believe, who then tried to throw, or maybe he pitched it to somebody else who then tried to throw a pass. They are going to try that exact same play on the Lions. I don't want to call it for a touchdown, but it's going to get a lot of yards and it's going to work against the Lions. Yeah, you got to be ready for that because yeah. Kevin O'Connell and that, and that Minnesota team is is going to be throwing everything in the about the kitchen sink in, uh, probably including the kitchen sink because with Nick Mullins at the helm, you need to spark that that, that offense somehow, and. Uh, yeah. That that's that's what they're going to need to do, especially if after a loss against the Bengals. They're they're really playing for their season next week against the Lions. Uh, this is going to be a team that's going to hold nothing back. They're going to be at home, and uh, it, you got to be ready for that if you're Detroit. Yeah, you got to get you got to take care of business and not let them get any heat early. Similar to what you did against the Broncos here, shut it down and shut it down early, um, and establish the game and in the pace of the game. And I think that's, I think that's an, as a recipe right there for, for a win. 
Yeah, what you're looking at in the NFC North right here with the last three games left for the Vikings, you're looking at absolutely nothing left to lose and everything to gain. And for the Lions, you have everything to lose and really nothing else to gain. You're going to the playoffs nearly. like You have to really, really screw up and have the wrong wins as well go through this week. And for the Vikings, you have to obviously win out. You have to beat the Lions twice. And whoever they have else in between, you've got to win that one as well to even give yourself a chance. So yeah. they are going to do everything, scrap, claw, and fight. If you just win this first one, sayonara, and we might get some Teddy Bridgewater before he retires. Or, well, yeah, I think they'd throw in Teddy, but pro- hopefully some Hen and Hooker. But I think, we're, I think we're like a day or two away from that window closing. So I think we'll have news by Monday or Tuesday on whether or not Hennon Hooker is going to continue to throw a jersey on. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what they do with that. But I hope, I, I, you know, selfishly, we want to see him play. But um, whatever's best for the team, obviously. Um, another note about the defense another started. Note. We were kind of bouncing around here on the Lions Share podcast. But third down defense a lot better today or yesterday I should say for the for them as well that was another key that we always have and um at one point in the game the Broncos were one for six on third down they did improve uh they did improve over the uh course of the game but that was huge for that defense because they have really struggled on third down really struggled in the in the red zone and as Andrew's mentioning to me right now the time of possession also was won by the Lions but not by much not as not as much as you would think only by about three or four minutes I did not see that being even nearly at all. Uh, but, you know, I'm sure that uh, five straight passing plays to open the game kind of really skewed things. Well, exactly. I mean, the Lions were scoring quicker than they normally do. You know, normally they kind of march down the field, lean on that run game, but it was more, it was a little more quicker. And the explosive plays were all there. And I, I, I just love that. Love when the offense is explosive. I love when Ben Johnson is cooking and he's in his bag. And then conversely, love when the defense is putting pressure on the quarterback. It's just, that's what we need the team to be. Four quarters. It was pretty close to a four-quarter game in this one. As you mentioned, Andrew, complimentary and efficient in this one. Things were really clicking. It was like a well-oiled machine. You just you just hope that that's the, that's the springboard for the, for the Lions going forward with three games remaining. You know, this is the time of year where you want to be hitting your stride, hitting your peaks, and hopefully getting healthy too with CJ maybe coming back against the Vikings, hopefully practicing this week and, and strapping up for Sunday's game against the Vikings. Um, and as I mentioned at the top, this offensive line, way better healthy. It's just a completely different offense when the, the, the line is healthy. Ragno out there and, and, and Decker back and, and, and all those guys in uniform. Important. The onus is on them to stay healthy here down the stretch because that's going to make or break this team. Yeah, the other one, I was just trying to find an update on Mr. James Houston. If we have a timetable anymore, I know it was late December. We're closing in on these weeks here. I mean, really, I just care if we get him back for the playoffs. That's all at this point. Yeah, I think that's kind of their mindset. Um, if they keep winning games without them, you, that that timetable probably pushes back and back just to play on the side of caution. But, but I was happy to see uh, Bruce Irvin out there. He, I mean, he is he is he is no young buck, but no he is buck. he brings something else to this defense that we don't have, and that's that 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 hunger even at the age of thirty six. 
Oh no, where's Mitch when you need him with the mute monster? Damn, I turned myself on for that one. That's rough. Um, it, it looks like he's moving around. We got those videos of him pushing a sled. Um, yep. but he said him and the medical staff kind of letting things flow, seeing how it goes, that kind of thing. But he did say, he told reporters on Wednesday, it looks like the timeline is going to be before the playoffs. I should be able to get some games in. Okay. Which means we may see him as early as this week with yeah. CJ. Yeah, yeah, it could be three games remaining. Uh, Vikings, Cowboys, Vikings. Uh, you got to think that they're going to want to get him some some action. Uh, I don't know. Do you think? I don't know. You think they bring him out for the last the the final game, even if it's a uh you know as you mentioned, kind of a, a sit your starters week. Yeah, yeah, I would not consider him a starter by any means right now. So yes, I would want him to get all the work he can buy. I think that's the best time for him to get in. Okay. I like that. Yep. I can agree with that. Um, let's, let's talk about a few more things from the Broncos game and roll the halftime capsules and then give uh, BAM players here uh, on this show. Um, thought it was interesting. You know, we talked about it in the, can't remember if it was Wednesday's episode or Sunday's episode, or maybe both. Um, the last two episodes. Last week, the Bears decided to take the ball. They won the toss and they decided to accept, you know, and take the ball because they wanted to score uh, on the defense. They felt like they were ripe for the taking. So conversely, this week, the Lions win the toss and they take the ball. I, I loved that from Dan Campbell and the team. I like taking the ball there. And I also, a bonus caveat to this, I liked them going for it on fourth down late in the game and scoring late too. Loved, loved both sides of that, the beginning and the end. Uh, I, I, I loved all of that. Um, I don't know what happened in this game. Um, I was just going to jump into how, uh, how things kind of changed for Dan in the lot in the long run of all this and what he did with this team prior to this game, uh, because of the extra step we've said they've had, but, um, yeah, can we, can we talk about the, I'm sorry if I'm, I'm ruining this segment for you. Ruined. Can we talk about the penalties that and the ones that you know exactly what I'm going to get into? I don't even know how to set this scene. Can you help me here? So what do you mean by the penalties? Like the uh, the offsides that was called on the offense that is the Broncos? Okay. That is correct. I thought that was the right call. Like the ang- you could see the helmet of that. I I would I be upset if it was called on the Lions? Yes, but I think by the letter of the law, especially the angle that you had from the end zone is is kind of off off center, right? It's off axis, so it's a little bit less obvious from that angle. So I think if you were looking dead down the line, that helmet's a full helmet length over the ball. So I thought that one was okay. Not now. Now the the fact that they didn't call either of those two plays prior touchdowns now that now that was ridiculous okay this is where we flip-flop then because i did not think he was offsides i thought he was good um the second attempt of them trying to get in i thought he was down short i thought that was the right call i don't think the the ball actually broke the plane um and however on the first one i think it got really close and i think you could definitely argue that get it got in but it was called down short on the field. And how many times have the Lions gotten screwed by what was the call on the field? 
if that was called a touchdown, that's a touchdown. It stands all day, but it was called short. And I didn't see it breaking the play. And I thought it was that close to where if you're calling it down short, then it's short. Here's the other kicker. Get it in. You're from the inch yard line. Like uh, in my eyes, that other one was short. And then I'm sure we'll get into it. So I'll let you respond to that. But then, you know, Pate, uh, Sean Payton got just workhorse and uh, <laughs> Russ Wilson's butt on the sidelines. Yeah. Lots to unpack there. Um, first play. Yeah. I thought that was a touchdown, but it, but I can't remember who it was for the Lions, but they were basically blocking the view of the ball. You could assume that the ball was over, but you never saw the ball over. So that was, and, and that's from the camera angles, but also the official right down the line is blocked by that defender too. So I know why they didn't call it. Um, and then the other play, I uh, thought he was probably like an inch short. I think that one was that was real close to the knee being down and the ball being across. That one was really close. Um, I, I think it was just shocking to me that it almost always you see the officials err on the side of touchdown in those con- con- conditions, right? They almost always give the benefit of the doubt to the ball carrier and then go back and review it, like you said. And this was this was kind of flip flopped, which was really weird. And it was weird to have them in quick succession too because you feel like oh we kind of maybe screwed him there on the first one now maybe we give him the second one we'll go to the we'll go to review we'll get it right but at least we can say that you know like the broncos don't have a gripe and then to throw the third one in there with the offsides that was that was astonishing i think it was the succession of all of it in a row that was crazy to me but i'll stand by i think that's i think that by the letter of the law that's offsides you can't be that far forward uh, especially after the whole Chiefs kabaffle kerfuffle last week, I think there was a big emphasis on that this week. Like we need to call that. I'm glad you brought this up because I heard this from a shareholder today, and I want to get your take on it as well. He did a little Dan Orlovsky deep take on it himself. Went back and looked at that first first play that you think he got in on. Um, I forget who you, it was. The receiver. You're gonna say he was offsides there too. He was offsides. And the receiver was lined up offsides. Oh. He had the same stance as Tony did in that Chiefs game. He was lined up exactly like that. Well, fast forward later in the game, one of the, I think it was Sutton. It was Sutton on Sutton. Sutton, the Lions Sutton, Cam, and Cortland Sutton of the Broncos lining up across from each other. And this was, you know, garbage time, so it really didn't matter at that point. But he was in motion you you can see him straight up moving and i'm moving right now you can probably hear it in the microphone but he's straight up moving as the ball is snapped and that's that's a violation and they didn't call it there so yeah i mean the refs the refs can always be better yeah that's a tried and true statement we'll never get there it was just baffling to me um honestly it's just even as a lions fan and a football fan in general i booed my tv when they threw that when they called that, I, I you know I watched the line judge run to the head official, does the little hands on hips and points towards the offense, and I'm thinking, oh, he just got turned around. That that's going to be on the defense. Like <laughs> we'll get a fresh set here. Well, and we're, they're going to score, and we'll call this a day, whatever. And it was actually on the offense, and I just kind of thought, you know, it was a little cheap trick and yeah. led to a field goal. So yeah, can you believe um, just they as a football a fan in general? Can you believe Peyton went for the field goal there? <laughs> A weakness leaving the body is what that field goal was going through the uprights. Oh, yeah. And then the the punt down the stretch, too. But rewind all the way back to, like, I think the first drive for the for the Broncos. They had that big play. First play, I believe it was, on that drive. 
um, which honestly got my stomach in a, in a knot there. I was worried about that being what was going to be the day for the Lions defense. It was not a great way to start. But you see a flag on that, and the, and the Broncos started moving back, and only for the 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 officials to to huddle up and say there was not a man downfield, illegal man downfield. So I thought, conversely, I thought, wow, that's the way today's going to go. Like, oh, great. Yep, you feel pretty good. Big play, getting getting walked back. Nope, they're going to pick up the flag. And I thought, oh, man, if that's evident of what today's going to be, it might be a long night. Oh, agreed again. Um, it, once again, it made me sick when the Lions come out, don't really do anything. We talk about getting started hot. They wanted that ball. You said it. And they do nothing. Turn it over just to have the Broncos come out hot. Flag picked up. Nothing comes of it. And then they still come up big. So um, they they turned the ship around. Thank, thank goodness. But it could have gotten ugly. There was a couple moments in this game. Had they scored on that on that one close, had Effetti not gotten that knock away, like that's a much closer game. I know we talked about it. Even with six minutes left, they were up by three scores. It was still a little worrisome just because the Broncos were still showing some explosiveness and they could possibly get it back. But luckily, you know, our boy Malcolm Rodriguez and the Lady Lion favorite, uh, he's able to cover up that onsider. Yeah, no problem. Like he made it look like he does that every day. That's a huge, that was huge for a linebacker to do that. You know, usually you see the tight ends and the wide receivers out there, the hands team. No, Melkin Rodriguez. That's who you're throwing out there and uh, covering it up and closing things up. Well, that's true. He does play both ways. You're right. Yeah, you got me there. Um, True. Um, Let's talk about the crowd too. I mean, shout out to the crowd as always. Honolulu Blue Faithful, strong, Kool-Aid strong, but I don't know if you caught the point where they started singing the we will rock you, we will, we will rock you. Right before uh, the Lions kicked the ball off, I can't remember, I think it's like in the third quarter, but you know the crowd's feeling pretty good at that point. The game's kind of sealed away, um, but it was it was super loud in there all day. Had a, at least one false start by the Broncos, um, just getting me fired up for the potential for the Lions to have a home playoff game because... Crank that up even more. Crank it up to 11 because it's going to be even louder at a playoff atmosphere. And Dan said it himself. He wants people to fear the fear the den if you have to come into Detroit. All roads lead through Detroit. That's a direct quote. He wants people to fear having to come here and play f- playoff games. Oh, man. I don't, you might be able to help me out here, but remember when Dan did like the preseason thing? I think it was last season. I don't think it was this this year but remember what did he say it was something about like a campfire like you guys bring the the wood we'll bring we'll bring the spot i don't know what it was maybe you can help me out here what was it he did he he had some sort of uh metaphor uh, <laughs> for the crowd and it was very dan campbell-esque of course uh but it was something about a I, campfire like i don't know but that's kind of what we're unfortunately seeing. Yeah, unfortunately, I can't think of that. The only one I'm thinking of is the 2022 Detroit Lions. No, no, not that. We'll be the team that can. And report back later for the answer. And will. Uh, I don't know. I can't. I it, Maybe it wasn't a campfire. I don't know. It was something. Look it up. I don't know. Can't even find it. All right. Uh, the other thing about the crowd in that atmosphere was 
and this was a little known fact that I don't know how many people caught. I saw it on Twitter. X. Lions were playing um, Future, the, the artist Future, during every break, I guess. And uh, that was a troll, a troll job on Russell Wilson, who is now married to Ciara. Um, Ciara used to date Future. So they were trolling him. And I guess they've had beef. Ciara and Future, or Ciara, uh, Future and Russ have had beef. So the, what did the Lions... PA, I don't know, sound team do. They play future on repeat, which is hilarious. Cause that's a little, that's like a little Easter egg thing that probably not a lot of people caught, but thought that was hilarious and just shows not only is the team into this, the people behind the scenes are as well. Yeah, that's definitely a deep cut. You know, I don't uh, dabble in that world. So uh, that's news to me. All right, let's uh let's roll the halftime capsules here and then we'll we'll close things out from the Lions Broncos and and hit week 15. All right, after a grinded out first quarter, no points. Lions put up 3 in the second quarter. Love that 21 nothing. Looked like we might be heading to a defensive battle. Uh but speaking of the defense, hey, how about some pass r- pass rush and some blitzing from the Lions like that? I like that a lot, especially now with McGlinchey out. I think the right tackle for the Broncos. I think he's out. I don't know for sure, but if that's the case, you got to put more pressure on him uh, on the fill-in right tackle there. Um, Explosion on offense. Finally getting the ball to JMO. Running the ball, but also passing the ball more than I kind of thought based on the Broncos' poor rush defense. Thought we'd see more rushing, but I'm okay with the attack uh, uh, in the air. I like the deep shots. Keep them coming. They're, you're chipping away with it and chipping away at it with those passes, and uh, the run is opening up some of those passes. So those shots down the field are are going to be more and more open. Um, J-Mo, finally, finally getting in action. Sam Porta, so strong, so quiet. No first down signals from him. He just goes to work straight up, launch pail guy. Bugs, would have loved to see you pitch it there on the fumble recovery. You're just – you're just not going to make it all the way to the end zone, buddy. I'm sorry. I would love the big man to get a score, but alas, Lions, you have been dominating this game, although it is not a blowout. It's only 21-0. Need more points. Step on the throat twist. All that good stuff. Denver gets the ball out of the half. Stay aggressive. Don't let off the pedal. Put together four quarters. Let's go, Lions. Here we are, Lions fans. Halftime, prime time, Saturday night. Lions defense and offense actually playing with a purpose out there. You got to love to see Russell Wilson taking a knee right before half. He's afraid, of that. He's afraid of that defense. They had 19 seconds to try and do something. They were too scared. They ran out. Love to see that. Defense, just honestly, this is where we gotta this is where we gotta improve upon from where we were last year and actually learn how to win with a lead. We got a three score lead. I can guarantee you Sean Payton's gonna come out with something crazy. They're probably gonna score early. Love that the Lions chose to t- take the ball. Denver's getting it coming out of half. If the defense can get another stop, it may demoralize them. Offense. Field goals can win us. Just get in the scoring range. Let's go, Lions. 
All right. So we kind of get it a, a pullback of the curtain, what we were doing during the game, listening to those halftime capsules. Um, feeling pretty good at that point, but I was feeling like 21 nothing maybe wasn't enough. I don't know about you, Andrew. Did you feel like they could have had a bigger lead at half than 21 nothing? Oh, I wanted more. One of that defense really scoring. Um, and I'm sure you could tell I was uh, out of breath from watching this Lions team. They had me all jacked up. Yeah, it was the best we've seen. And Mitch's, Mitch's comment was best win of the season against a streaking team, in my opinion, putting it all together to get a convincing win in prime time. And I think maybe the solution is the Lions just wear the blue uniforms and play every game in prime time. And I don't think they'll lose again. Yeah, I think you guys, I think you sent the video to the group chat, uh, JG, before the game, or maybe it was a different game. Oh, we, we always play oh, good. A different game? Yeah, well, we always play good in blueberries, is what he was saying. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, that made me feel pretty good. I didn't know if maybe it was placebo, but felt pretty good about that, um, knowing that they were wearing the blues and seeing that mic'd up moment. Um. I want to pose a question to you before we give our band players. Uh, Mitch responded to it, and and I'd like to see what you say, Andrew. Do you, do you feel like it's hard to evaluate what this team really is? I know we've talked about it in the past, like what's the identity? But do you find yourself very much a roller coaster with this team? As far as you know, last week was so low, and we were we were we were trying to stay grounded and, and not overreact, and you know, throw out the SOL terms like some might want to. Um, and now everybody pretty high. I know after the game. And the post game, I, I cringed when it happened, but they were the, the fans around Goff were chanting Super Bowl. We own the North. Uh, the emotions obviously high in, in both sides of that. Um, but do you feel like it's hard to know what this team is really all about? Um, yeah, it's it's really tough. You know, the whole team and it's it's an NFL thing, so it's it's tough to show bias towards the Lions here. But you know, that line really hasn't been healthy together all season. We didn't have Frank Ragnow today. The secondary on the defense, which is where we really improved upon and free agency, hasn't really been together all season. So they've been, you know, just kind of inconsistent and injured in what should be a complete team. But the the best thing I can probably relate this team to, um, and you know, jump in if you if you disagree. But Michigan from a few years ago, Michigan basketball, that is, and just a hot three-point basketball team in general, there's there's basketball teams that live and die by that three, man. And when they're hot, they're hot, they're cooking. If they're having an average night, they can probably still beat you because they're going to put so many of them up. But if they're not hitting and if they're not clicking, they're not going to go far. That Lions offense, and I don't know how many times they said it on the broadcast, they gave actual stats. Um but their plays of 20 plus yards, 15 plus yards, 30 plus yards, they are such a hot and instantaneously quick hitting offense that if if you can't put points on the board and score with them, it's going to be a long day for you because they're just going to keep tailing it up. But they're but they are also aware you're going to put points up, but they're going to do just enough. What does Dan say? Drag you to that abyss and drown you. They're going to do just enough of the defense to annoy you, to get on top of you. You're never going to be able to be comfortable. We're always, we're always going to be chattering around you. You're always going to be thinking about them. So I, 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 that's how I re- relate them to, you know, uh, a streaky three-point basketball team. 
Last week, we had you invoke Andre Drummond, a couple NBA references, and this week we get the NCAA basketball equations e- equating. Uh, this is what the shareholders come to see and, and hear each and every week. Every each and every week. Um, yeah, I, actually, you know, I didn't know where you're going with that, but I come to love what you just said. I think it's very much true. Um, I think that was like the 2017 Michigan basketball team. And in what I'll say about that team, and similar to the Lions, you can feel it kind of right away about what the pace of that game and how it's going to go. Like against the Broncos, you felt like, all right, defensive battle for the first quarter, and then floodgates open and they score points. And it happens in a flash. You're like, holy crap. All of a sudden, the Lions are at 42 points by the end of the game. And, and like we said, scoreless through the first quarter. So 42 points in four quarters is incredible, but let alone three quarters. Um, and it leads to it's contagious. It leads uh, every all of that happens both sides of the ball. Um, it, it's it's a very contagious team. Like when they're struggling, they start to get down on themselves, and they start to they start to falter, and the mistakes happen, the drops and the sacks, and it seems to snowball. But then the other side of that is the once that spark goes, it's like a forest fire, and all of a sudden, thirty acres are burned. That's what it's like, and. <laughs> And you just hope that they can be consistently on the good side of that, whereas, which is the forest fire. Unfortunate for the forest, but, you know, that's life. That's, that's Mother Nature, baby. Bring that fire. And, uh, you know, if the Lions play like they did this week against the Broncos, they're going to win a lot of games. And uh, they're going to be a team you don't want to play in the playoffs. If they're like they were against the Bears, well, first-round exit, potentially. It, I just hope... That we're on the right side of this, and maybe there's a consistent ground that they can middle ground where they can find. But um, certainly love being on the on the good side of that ball. Yeah, I mean, and and that's what it is. You force teams to play fast, and usually fast football, if you're not used to it, leads to mistakes. And if the defense can keep that pressure on you to consistently make you play fast and make those quick decisions, it just learns. It leads to mistakes. So um, it, it that's that's really all it is. That's what it boils down to. Yeah, like a fast break team, you know, what you see fast break, quick uh, hitter basketball teams, when they get into their half court sets, sometimes they struggle. And when teams know that about them, um, that's what it's that's what it comes down to. So flip that to football. When teams scheme up the lines and are ready for them, like the lines kind of get thrown off their game and you see those struggles happen. So I think the, that was huge in this one. The Lions came out and established what they were going to be about and that they were going to control this game from start to finish. And that's what they did. And they never wavered from it. Now, you know, when they get off those rails, huh, similar to this Lion Share podcast getting off the rails, you never know where it's going to go. And uh, sometimes it gets bad. <laughs> so let's talk about some good things from the band of the week this was a tough one you know last week it was hard to find somebody now this week for me it was there was too many you know golf had a really solid day and laporta gibbs all those guys on offense uh shout out to the offensive line as well really solid day Sewell, uh another immaculate day on the pff grades i'm sure um on the other side of the ball uh Melifonwu, dorsey also you know an honorable mention in there aiden played well um, Bruce Irvin, I thought played well. Vildor, obviously talked about him. Paschal with the sack. I mean, there was just a lot to go around, and and shout out to that crowd as well. You gonna leave anything on the like no berries no, left on the tree? 
No, I'm just throwing them out there. I'm saying people could nominate those people. I'm not nominating those people, but people could. I was going to say uh, Melifanu, and I, I know that you have him in a question mark here, so I didn't want to take that one from you directly. So, Well, I know you guys get all upset. I don't pick actual players typically, so if you want an actual player, uh, I've said it earlier in this in this recording, but play of the game for me was that Melifanu knockaway. I think if that, that play ends differently, it's a different momentum in this game. Uh, but... You know, really, it's got to go to Dan Campbell and his irritable attitude throughout the week of practice. I think that was really the stamp and the identity that came out this week on the field. And if if you shareholders haven't listened to the postgame speech he gave, uh, go back and listen to it. It is one of the oddest things you'll hear after a Lions W, especially coming off of what we saw from his locker room speeches early this season. Everybody is hooting and hollering they're all stoked they're high-fiving everybody and he comes in he gives he tried he tried to pump them up he was excited himself I'll, I'll say that but it was quiet in that locker room a couple claps here and there and it just felt like they were doing business and they pissed dan off and they don't want to see a pissed off dan anymore yeah maybe that's what it, this team needed and a, a focus that they will kind of bring into the playoff push right um yeah it was it's a little different right than what we've heard from them like when they were sneaking out wins down the those those the stretch there prior to this game against the broncos it was a lot of the same thing from Deanna, which was don't apologize for a win a lot of things we got to clean up it was it was nothing like that and this was in a winning effort so it was a little different you're right um shout out to dan too for getting a win against his old mentor sean payton great call i, I keep forgetting about that so Great call. Um, yeah, you can't say enough good things about this this W. No, nope. And all we can say is this one feels good, but now, now you gotta you gotta come out victorious against the Vikings and close out the North because even though the Vikings and the Packers lost this weekend, um, NFC is still very much wide open. The Rams getting the win today. The Saints getting the win today. The Saints could sneak in. The NFC South is still so wide open. The Falcons lose to the Panthers, but the Bucks beat the Packers. This NFL is really hard to wrap your head around. Um, just when you thought the Packers were hot, they lose two in a row. The Vikings also, like, what are they? They they threw out Nick Mullins. It's it's a lot to to take in. So let's talk about that in the playoff picture the 49ers Cowboys and the Eagles have all clinched the Cowboys lost today but they still clinched because uh, of some things that happened that means the Lions are very 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 close to clinching and uh, we talked about it at the top the Seahawks loss uh, if the Seahawks lose on Monday Night Football to the Eagles the Lions will be locked in for the playoff berth they won't close out the North this week but they would lock in the playoffs um on the other side the AFC is wide open wide wide open no afc team has clinched the playoffs thought that's incredible with only three weeks remaining uh, you don't even have one team locked into the playoffs and i think that could change with the ravens i think if the ravens win tonight against the jaguars on sunday night football i think they clinch but it's just incredible to be this far into the season and still have it that wide open um at this point, the Jets still aren't eliminated from playoff contention, which is crazy. That's how wide open the AFC is. Titans could sneak in. The Raiders could sneak in. The Bengals, uh, a really hot team with Browning. 
uh, the the Browns staying alive. It's it's incredible the AFC, and just glad to see the Lions on the other side in the NFC because it could be a lot weirder if they were in the AFC. That's that's all I have to say. And um, with with a win next week, the Lions would would certainly clinch the North and clinch that playoff berth if the Seahawks don't take that loss tomorrow, uh, which could also be a tie. A tie works too. A tie or a loss gets you gets you in if you're the Lions. Um, right now, the Lions sit as a number three seed in in the NFC. The Eagles jump to number one with the Cowboys' loss. There is a lot of situations, but re- in real reality, what every team needs to just do is look themselves in the mirror and say, "What can we do?" It's win every single week. Yeah, and we could we could have a Lions potentially owning that number one seed. Uh, it's pretty far fetched at this point, but. If the Lions do win out uh, three in a row here and you get some help from the 49ers losing a game or two um, and the Eagles losing a game or two, the Eagles got to play the Giants twice and uh, then they also play the Cardinals, which is not not great for uh, Lions fans. Um, and the Seahawks could also sneak in too. Forgot about them. Um, but I don't think we'll be talking about a Lions one seed. Uh, a lot's going to ride on... The week uh, 18 matchup between the Rams and the 49ers. If the Rams can beat the 49ers, that that opens up the door for the Lions to jump um, into that one seed. That that's going to be a really weird matchup because that could be back to back weeks that the 49ers and the Rams play. If the if the Rams beat the 49ers week 18, they'd play them again likely in round one of the playoffs. So here for the madness, it's going to be weird and obviously a lot riding on the Lions Cowboys game too because. Uh, of the proximity that they have um but yeah this is this is what it's all about these are the fun weeks in the nfl teams jumping teams diving um i love myself most importantly i love the fact that some of these teams are just trying to play spoiler and they're playing free and loose and they're they're opening up the playbook and and that's what makes it really fun and and wacky Uh, some teams tank not not everybody some teams go out there and try to play spoiler so that's always fun to see um, remember shareholders too, if, if the Lions do clinch playoff berth, Andrew and I have agreed to do the JMO burger. So we are very, very, very close to that. And, uh, and excited and excited. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a jolly, it's a jolly season and it's a jolly time right now. Um, I will say this about the Rams before we get into week 15, the Rams, they might be that team that's better than their record indicates. And that team that you just don't want to play in the playoffs. Cause they're going to, they're going to give you their best. And, I'm not saying that the Lions can't beat the Rams. I'm not saying that the Rams will win a playoff game, but I think whoever, regardless, whoever suits up against the Rams in the playoffs, if the Rams do make the playoffs, that's going to be a tough matchup. The Lions or the the Rams are going to be that team. I think. I think if you draw the the Seahawks or the Packers or the Vikings or anybody from the NFC South, you're feeling pretty good about your matchup. But if you play the Rams, that's like that one team that you circle like, we don't want to play the Rams. Uh, Yeah, they're that weird combination of, you know what they can do. They've got a pretty stout defensive line still. Still got a pretty decent defensive secondary. Their biggest weakness is their offensive line. And, uh, and some young guys as far as the the passing game in Puka Nakua. So, they are a quick team. They've got veteran leadership, so they've got everything. They've got guys that have been there. They know what it's all about. They know how to win playoff football. Um, 
So uh, for all those reasons, they are scary in the playoffs. Yeah, and don't forget about Sean McVay, too, at the helm. Like, they've got, they're checking a lot of boxes, that team does, for sure. Um, all right, let's talk about NFL Week 15 on, on this episode. Nice Sunday to sit back and relax and watch some games. No Lions in action, obviously, on Saturday. So it was nice to just sit back and watch. Um, the games were kind of meh, especially the late window we'll talk about. Um, but a couple thrilling ones in there. And we started off things with the... Uh, uh, let's let's hold on. Let me do the records recap. Uh, I'm at eleven and three. Mitch ten and four. Andrew eight and six. Um, so we'll tally those up for the next episode and and give you the lead dog. But uh, Andrew, you want to start us off with Chargers Raiders on Thursday night? Yeah. What do uh, What do you want me to say about this? Brandon Staley, uh, I think, got fired on Monday, Friday. Was it Friday? Correct. Okay, yeah. So officially out of LA, he's probably still hanging out in the stadium doing his yoga and running the stairs and everything. Uh, Raiders put up big time numbers and Max Crosby uh, shirt off on TV was was weird, but okay. I think it was just because you couldn't see his nipples because of all the tattoos that they allowed it. (laughs) Okay, so that was kind of acting as a censor. Yeah, correct. Okay, yeah. Brandon Staley, I don't know. Has anybody told him that he's fired yet? I haven't heard from the guy. He might, like you said, if he's still running the stairs. We all took the Raiders, so I mean, we had nothing to worry yep, about in this yep, one. Probably, yeah, we, the, no. probably the coolest pick six I've ever seen in a game, though. Oh, my God. Incredible. The slow motion angle, that that is incredible. Um, Vikings, Bengals, moving on to games that mean something. Uh, uh, although the Raiders couldn't could sneak into the playoffs. So that does have some implications, but Vikings Bengals, this one had huge implications for both sides. Uh, the Vikings really needed a win to keep pace with the lions and, and keep their playoff hopes alive, but they lose to the Bengals overtime thriller. This was a pretty exciting one. The, uh, the Vikings, I felt like we're going to get super lucky, but they didn't. The door got shut by the Bengals, which was huge. Uh, Nick Mullins at quarterback, as we mentioned, just a recipe for disaster back to back push pushes that they tried with Nick Mullins. I think he's only 180 pounds. Uh, it's just not going to work. Uh, it was hilarious to see him try though. Um, and Andrew, I don't know if you caught the Jake Browning clip. You saw it. Okay. So you know what I'm all about. Uh, we're going to have Tommy drop that in here because that is a moment where you got to just take it easy, man. That was incredible. Raw emotions from uh, Jake Browning in this one. He, uh, Tommy will, uh, Tommy will drop it in here, but Yeah, now that we've heard it, let me ask you a follow-up question because I did get this question today. There was a quarterback that came out of the Vikings not too long ago, and he was supposed to be on their practice squad, never got signed to their practice squad, and couldn't figure out why no team was calling him for workouts or wanting wanting to hear from him at all. Found out that the Vikings, or somebody wanted to keep... I, Forget I said Vikings. Who could be somewhere else? But that team wanted to keep him on their practice squad, but knew they couldn't sign him to the practice squad. So they like said he was a bad teammate. If anybody asked about him, said bad things about him, and never signed. Was that Jake Browning? I uh, maybe, but I feel like it was but, somebody else. Okay, if it was him, because that was what I got asked. Of. If it was him, he has every right for that yeah. clip. Yeah. Wow. Oh. Um, 
I got gotcha. you. We'll roll. We'll roll okay. out of it. I took the I took the Vikings here. I wanted it for the pick. I thought they were going to pull through, uh, but for every other sake, including the Lions, wanted them to lose. So glad. Not not too mad with uh, being wrong on that pick. Um, rolls us to the uh, the four thirty game on Saturday, right before the Lions Steelers in Indianapolis. Thank God, I at least took the Colts on this one. Steelers didn't didn't want to be there, and the biggest thing from this one, um, I forget the safety or DB that got ejected, but big hit on Michael Pittman. They didn't even go to the cameras to review it. They just ran straight out of the field. Defensive uh, or penalty. Colts get the ball and this guy's ejected from the game. <laughs> Straight up. Yeah. Um, I don't want to talk about this game. I'm going to take us to Chiefs, Chiefs Patriots, <laughs> which I don't really want to talk about this one either, but big thing from this one from the, me with the Chiefs victorious, but Harrison Bucker, the kicker for the Chiefs, he missed a field goal today. This was the first miss for him all season from any range and almost a full calendar year since he he missed one last year, I think on November or January 1st or 2nd of last year. So almost made it a full almost. year, almost 365. Yeah, the weaknesses in the Chiefs uh, armor are showing. What was the, do you have the final score of this one? I think I last saw it when it was 7 nothing. Well, it got to be well, more than that. that. I'll tell you that for uh, free. Thank, thank God. It looked like a brutal game. And, uh, yeah, I, was, I, I wish Belichick all the best, and hopefully he you know goes and meets up with that house that he left earlier this season. <laughs> okay, uh, Chiefs twenty-seven, Patriots seventeen. Okay, I did get a little more spirited and more competitive, so good for them. Uh, Bears at Browns, a little more competitive than I thought. I mean, this was a tough one to pick. Um, and the Browns ended up holding this out, but the Bears. Kind of had a shot at it late, even though Justin Fields kinda. had a poo-poo game. Kind of. Yeah, kinda. they they nearly had a Hail Mary walk-off win. Um, just couldn't quite haul it in, um, and the Browns survived. But, yeah, I think the Bears are scrappier than people realize. I know much was made about how the Lions look so poor against them, but I think the Bears are on the rise, and, and a team that you will – hear about next season hovering around 500 maybe a little better than 500 i think they're really building something there even even with matt eberflus at the helm uh, i think that's a pretty good team and uh you can see what they do when they play loose obviously we've talked about it panthers pick so they don't have to tank so they're just out there trying to win games and play spoilers so this was one of those games and they nearly came out victorious um but but the browns got a huge win in their playoff push Packers in Green Bay lose it to the Buccaneers. This one was hilarious. Uh, back and forth kind of game. The the Packers have some real issues and it showed in this one. Back to back losses. Um, this is I I thought when I before I went back to the document here, Andrew, I thought you rode with me here and took the Bucks. I really did. And I was hoping we would have two weeks in a row of us going against the pack. We had the Giants last week. I thought you rode with me here, but I had the Bucks and you guys both had pack. Um, so that's tough. But um Packers got some real issues, man, and the Buccaneers get a, a huge win in their push for the playoffs to try to win that NFC South. Hey, look here, pal. I think the Packers look just fine, okay? Um, I think my exact quote from this afternoon was, Jordan Love needs to be average for about the next five years. 
Um, and that'll be just great. If they could sit at the bottom of that NFC North, let the Bears take the third slot. Hell, let them take go jump all the way to two. Let the Vikings settle at three for the next five seasons. I'd be happy with it. And that's that's where I hope the Packers find themselves. So I think they look just fine. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah I like that plan. You want to take us to the Good. stinkiest matchup ever? I absolutely do in the Fel- Panthers. Give it to me, Ben. You want to clap with me? Got win number two of the season in front of their home stadium. I think the funniest story going into this game, and I, I think we said it as well, ticket prices were as low as 45 cents a ticket, which is just laughable funny as a franchise. And I'm glad that the Lions faithful never let it get that bad, even in the 0-16 days. So uh, the Falcons loses on a last-second field goal. Yeah. And I kind of kicking myself because I wanted to almost take the Panthers in our picks. Obviously, I went with the Falcons, but I just I felt like if there was a chance for the Panthers to get maybe one more win, this was it. I think they don't win out. I don't think they win another game after this season, but or after this game. Um, But they did look really good in the all black uniforms. The Panthers did look it was a nice uniform matchup. The Falcons went all white. The Panthers went all black and they look a lot better in all black. But this one was ugly. Finished out nine to seven, totaling 16 points. They look faster. They do look faster and and hilarious that they listed the attendance at 70,000 because I can tell you for free that it was nowhere near that. It 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 may have been less than 10,000. Uh, you know for a fact that ticket sites bought up all those tickets yeah. and then people just bought them and then there was not actual count in attendance. No, absolutely not. That was piss, piss poor. That'll take us Jets going to Miami, take on the Water Tribe where a vital member didn't suit up. We thought he was going to play Tyreek Hill. Thanks for not playing against me in fantasy, pal. I'll see somebody else in round two of the playoffs, thanks to you. Uh, I believe this was a shutout for the uh, Dolphins' defense, right? 30 to nothing? Sorry, yawning here. Yes, you're correct. Okay, yeah. I mean, not much really else to say. What happened with Zach Wilson? I didn't really see a ton of it, but yeah. He, we saw him last week against, I think it was the Texans, right? They got the win against. He played pretty well. He was loose. He looked like he was having fun out there. And right back to earth for old Zach Wilson. He got benched at one point, and they brought in Trevor Simeon, who wasn't any better. Now, there's a lot of a lot of names out there today that I've seen throw multiple touchdowns uh, on multiple occasions, or multiple interceptions in the same <laughs> quarter on multiple occasions. Saw Case Keenum today, so a lot of oh those types God. of sightings. Yeah, Case Keenum, that's a name you, you, you forget. Um Zach Wilson got absolutely destroyed by Chubb and somebody else for the for the Dolphins early in this one, and that kind of set the tone for the whole day. He was just he had a fumble that was picked up by a defensive lineman and for a touchdown. That's kind of how things went. That was just kind of the story of the day. And uh yeah, the Jets got a big problem there at quarterback and Aaron Rodgers might be coming back, but it's a little too late for that now. Now pretty much eliminated from playoff contention. Um Dolphins, huge bounce back game, though. No Tyreek Hill leaned on Waddle, who also left the game with chest injury. So just nothing going right for them, but they still put up 30, get a shutout. Huge bounce back for them. They really needed this. Um, and you had you had jumped me on this game. This was supposed to be my game to intro. So I'm going to jump you on the Giants versus the Saints. I don't even want to talk about this game. 
Danny Tommy DeVito. Uh, I regression acting game. job. Yeah, on the on the on the on the hit. I uh, yeah, I mean he got hit real hard. Don't don't get me wrong, but the little extra flop with, and then he like peeked out of the corner of his eye and then got up. It was yes. kind of funny to watch in slow mo. It was like LeBron. Get him a wheelchair. Yeah, no, that's Paul Pierce. Um, All right. Yeah, I don't even want to talk about you, this game. Take us to Texas. Cool, perfect. Tights. We'll get right on out of there. Will Levis got hurt in this one, um, and not even on a, a scramble play either. It's just kind of one where he was stepping up in the pocket. So uh, Texans end up getting the win on this one. This was on a yeah another game-winning field goal. This one went to OT. We were kind of sitting around the Christmas today laughing about getting to see a tie game. We were rooting for it. Um, was wondering what that was going to do to our predictions and and what we were going to do. So was I, rooting for a tie. Didn't get it. I know. I was thinking. I've thought about that in in a couple of weeks past about what do we do. I don't know what we do in that situation. Go just 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 no loss, no win, nothing. We each get a third column. You know that. Oh, but we didn't tie. We didn't call it call it tie. So I don't know. I guess yeah. I get. We, I guess. I guess that's what we would do. Um, but the Texans really, really, really needed this one to stay pace in the AFC. Um, and can't remember who called this game, but I couldn't believe what he said. He said, "Any if the if the Texans don't make the playoffs, this year's a letdown." I was like, "What? This is a team that won almost no games last year, had a top pick in the in the draft, drafted a, the quarterback of their future, CJ Stroud, and he didn't play today." I could not agree with you more is if, if CJ Stroud isn't healthy to go, you don't push him to get him on the field. Anything you do this year is rallying the troops to be, look how good we can be and look how many more guys they've had a lot of injuries down the stretch. So the smart play is to really just shut it down and get the better draft pick. Yeah. And you, you sneak out of here with a win over an AFC team. So this is huge. Now you might get, you'll probably get Stroud back next week out of protocol and maybe you get Nico Collins back eventually. Um, but yeah, I thought that was outrageous to say it, it, the AFC is a really, really tough conference and they're in a, t- a, a pretty tough division there with the Titans and the Jaguars. I mean, it's no, no easy path for the Texans, especially after the season they had last year. This is a huge improvement. Regardless of how the year ends, this is a huge improvement. This is a springboard for them going forward. D'Amico Ryan's, you know, probably going to be your, maybe going to be your coach of the year. I could see that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, argue it if he got it. Uh, is it my turn? Yeah, yeah. Okay, 49ers at Cardinals. I didn't see really any of this game, but I'm going to take Mitch's notes on this 49ers wagon. True or false? True. Noted. Also, should we move on? Also true is, yeah, no, that was actually this. Yeah, I, I was supposed to do the last game. I don't know how we got thrown off yet again, but I'll do this one. Commanders Rams. This one had implications. If the Rams had lost, the Lions would be clinched in the playoffs, but the Rams get it done. Mentioned it. The Rams are that team that you don't want to play. The Rams look really solid today. Uh, a couple miscues, but all in all, a good win for them at home. Needed it. Um because they have had such a tough schedule, you got to win these easy ones against a team like the Commanders. Rams look good. 
Yeah, I, I didn't see a ton of these late ones. I was on the road, so you're really going to help me have to help me out with this last one as well. And by your note, this is a massive, uh, massive note. And we talked about it with the 49ers. This is what absolutely derails teams. Cowboys at Bills. Uh, we all but... Oh, wait, you guys both took the Bills, you dirty, dirty dogs. Yeah. I was the only one on the boys' train. Uh, Bills pull it out, but Zach Martin got hurt. What's the injury there? Yeah, he had a leg injury. They're still determining you know, the severity of it, but I see here 24 minutes ago, Zach Martin feels good about his chances of playing next week. So I, he said, quote, I got hit. We went to the tent, and it just didn't fire up for me. Yeah, kind of fluke thing. But he, he left the game, I think, in the second quarter. And uh, he was in street clothes by the third quarter. So it was severe enough that he had to just shut her down. Um, so, I, you know, maybe maybe they don't play him next week and then he returns against the Lions. That would be perfect. But, um, yeah, that, like you said, that's a huge, that's a huge part of that line. Uh, Kingpin kind of the, a spoke in that wheel. Uh, so that's huge if you lose Zach Martin, all pro right guard and, and huge for that, for that Cowboys team. Yeah, with Dak playing playing at such a high level, he has been like I'm not a Dak guy by any means, you know that. But he's been playing well all season long for the most part. It's been holding on to the ball and not being an interception machine like he was last season. So kudos to him. But that's the absolute thing that derails that type of season for you because all of a sudden, when a running backs picking up a blitzer on the left side, your new right guard and new right tackle aren't really dropping at the same same rate and you're allowing those natural fissures and and cracks for guys to slip through and and then all of a sudden you got more pressure from the right side and you're getting that ball swatted out as you're coming forward with it so that is a a big time injury word of the day fissures that's that's incredible incredible get for you um yeah there's a tiktok that I saw this in, but you know, some days you get Dak Prescott, sometimes you get Dakisha. And today was kind of a Dakisha day. Quarterback rating of 57, only 130 yards passing, no touchdowns, one interception. But you know what's crazy is on the other side of the ball, Josh Allen only had seven completions in this in this one for 94 yards passing. 31 points the Buffalo Bills put up in Dak uh and Josh Allen, only seven completions. Now, if you hold want to look on, at the hold on, hold on. If you want to look at the what run attack, what was the final score? Thirty-one to ten, Buffalo Bills. And he had seven completions for how many yards? Ninety-four. Oh my god! Yeah, but on the other side, in the rushing attack, James Cook, bell cow today, twenty-five carries for one hundred and eighty yards. That's seven point two yards per carry. Just an absolute monster on the ground game against a really, really good. Uh, Cowboys defense with Micah Parsons leading the the, the charge. Um, as a team, the Bills had 266 yards rushing. So I'd say Lions, circle this game, watch the tape. What did the Bills do to get 266 yards against the Cowboys defense? Because that's what you're going to want to replicate when you go to Dallas here in a couple weeks. Yeah, well, that they, I mean, clearly had a game plan, stuck with it, and just went right into the teeth of the defense. Kudos to them. Yeah, and, and you would think, you know, if Josh Allen only had 94 yards passing, well, maybe he did some things with his legs, which he did, but he only had 24 yards rushing too. So it wasn't like a big day for him. They really leaned on those running backs, and I believe there was some weather. So there was definitely wind in this, and I think there may have been some rain. I, th- uh, I think there was actually a ton of rain in this one, um, which we I, we totally predicted. 
but that was a huge, huge part of why there was such a lack of passing game in this one. But but Lions, yeah, watch this tape and uh, see what you can do against the Cowboys here in a couple weeks. And that's uh, that's every game from Week 15. We've got the Ravens and the Jaguars currently going at it in action on Sunday Night Football. The Ravens up three nothing and a low scoring one already in the second quarter here. Um, so we'll see what happens there because that does have some huge implications for the AFC. But we will get to that in our next episode, which is Walk Through Wednesday, um, where we and will Lions see Lions fans. Yeah, Lions Oops, fans. Sorry. You become uh, massive Eagle fans for Monday Night Football, or do you? Because if the Eagles lose, that opens up the door for more opportunity to get the one seed. And you know, we talked about it. The Lions are probably going to clinch the playoffs here, regardless of if the Seahawks lose or not. Right? Like it's it's there. They are they are on the virtual doorstep of making the playoffs. So, in the grand scheme of things, honestly, either way, you might be you might be mostly rooting for a tie. I'm I'm sick of rooting for ties. I've done it enough for one day. I can't do it anymore. And speaking of rain, we got a 70% chance of rain tomorrow. Well, aka today for you listening on Monday uh, on Monday Night Football against the uh, the Eagles and the Seahawks. So could be super rainy in that one. And it seems like it's all, always rainy there in Seattle. So something to watch for. Uh, Andrew, did you see that Antonio Brown finally graduated from the great CMU, Central Michigan University. I don't. How many years did it take you to graduate from CMU? Uh, it took me four. Okay, four years at Central. Same. Yep. Uh, I think it took Antonio. Let's see. He's about thirty-three years old. I think it took him about fifteen years. We had that discussion this year. Uh, I know if I wanted to go pursue another degree, my credits sure as hell don't count for Central anymore. How were his credits still active that he could get a degree? Oh, I mean, I'm smelling something fishy. A little, maybe a little Connor Stallion's inside job. Maybe <laughs> that was the trade-off. Maybe get a b, get a b a degree. Hashtag get a b a degree. That even rhymes. That's perfect. You're a poet and you didn't know it. Um, I I, I don't. Yeah, there's probably uh, many things that are fishy about the situation, including, let's be real, was Antonio Brown really the one? completing those online courses that he started to jump into. Uh, I think historically he jumped onto this train about the time that the Buccaneers let him go um, when he ran off the field a couple seasons ago. Um, said he was going to go back and get his degree or maybe it was a different time, but I just, I don't know, no offense to AB and his IQ, but uh, I question whether or not he completed these courses but it wasn't hilarious to see him in attendance in mount pleasant he went there to go get his degree i was surprised they let him in the door to be honest hey central michigan's trying to stimulate their local economy any way they can well trying to stimulate that enrollment the numbers are down down for the chippewas so you know i think they're any any publicity is good publicity i think they're in that camp right now yeah, I don't know, but I mean, usually the publicity matters to the parents sending their children to the school, and I did hear from a couple uh, uh, Central Michigan parents, uh, this really demeans the degree from Central Michigan, does it not? Wow, yeah, and you know, more importantly, do the donors start thinking twice about signing that check? Somebody's got to ask the question. Yeah, and uh, president, who's the president right now? He's a very short man, he wears fedoras. Uh, can't think of his he, name right he's, now. 
a McIlwain no, is all on, over bro. the football Come on, field. Bro. Come on, bro. That's bad. That's the coach. The head coach who might not be the head coach there for any longer. Uh, but uh, all right, we gotta we gotta get out of here. We went we went along on this episode and we didn't even have Mitch here. Um, so speaking of which, we might have Mitch here in the in the near future. So keep your uh, your ears tuned, shareholders. And as always, we ask you to click follow on Spotify and Apple and Amazon. Rate us five stars. We would really appreciate it. It's what helps this team grow and feeds Tommy at the end of the day. So. Let's go Lions. Let's go Eagles. Let's go Seahawks. We'll let you determine. Go Hawks. Okay. We'll let you determine. Andrews with the Hawks. We'll let you determine who you want to root for, whether you want the Lions to have an opportunity to get the one seed or you want them to just straight up clinch tomorrow on Monday Night Football. Either way, should be a good game. A rainy one. Uh, Weather will be effective. So, over and out from me. We'll see you all in a few days. And then Lions in action next week against the Vikings on Christmas Eve.